What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of our small group series here on the City of Hope Church podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about the way of practice. This is part two of this chapter, and we're going to dive into pages 91 through 115. And so, Clay, let's just jump right in. Um, Last time, we talked about a couple of different things. We discussed primarily uh, what is the way of practice and why does it matter. And this episode is going to focus more so on how we do it. Now, he brings up one of the most fascinating things that I've read in a little bit. And I I think this is something that we, we may recognize um, once we hear it, but I love how he puts it uh, kind of into these categories here. So he talks about identity versus outcome-based practices. Mm-hmm. And so there are three parts to any behavior, and he actually gets this uh, by referring back to a book called, a, a book called Atomic Habit, Habits by James Clear. And so those three parts to any behavior are identity, process, and outcomes. And a lot of times what we want to do first, Clay, is focus on the outcomes. Like we want the outcomes there, uh, and so we we get this kind of backwards to how it really should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and, and man, this is, a, this is such an important aspect of the Christian life that, like you said, we often get backwards. I really felt like here recently the Lord shared a thought with me, and it was just a simple question. Are you willing to surrender your beliefs about yourself? Because we have certain beliefs about ourselves that really uh, form our identity, who yeah. we think we are. Well, I'm, I'm just this kind of person, or I'm just introverted, or that's just the way that I am. I'm just stubborn. Or it could it could be me and different things. I'm just in fear. I just can't speak well in front of people. Like you could come up with a million different things that you think who you are. Which he uses the the uh, idea about a smoker who says from one perspective, if they're doing it out of outcome, they're saying I'm trying to quit smoking. Yeah. Right. Because in their identity is a smoker. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I, I am a smoker, but I'm trying to quit. Yeah. But when you start to think about that from a place of identity, it's you you get a mindset that I this is not who I am. I'm yeah. not a smoker. Yeah. So so your response is, I'm not a smoker. Any you know anymore? It's not yeah. who I am. I've I've had had a revelation in 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 what my identity is. And honestly, in our culture today, every every real war that we see against our lives is is a demonic attack against our identity, trying to tell us that we're something that we're not, so that we embrace a label and identify. It's always trying to, if you notice, even in our culture, it's always trying to get people to identify as something. Yes. Because they, they want it to be an issue of identity. Mm. And because if you, if, you, if you function from a place of this is who I am, it's very hard to change that. But, but if you begin to put off the old nature and say, no, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm no longer these things. This is who I am in Christ. I'm a loving person in Christ. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and so you get, you get this new thing because he says many of us will fight tooth and toenail to defend our identity. Yeah, another example of that, Clay, is uh, here on page 93, he talks about, for example, you might find uh, that you may be a person who, who struggles with swearing or using vulgar language. You realize that this is not what Jesus would do, and this type of speech often makes others uncomfortable. If you have an outcome-based approach, you try to stop swearing, 
you stop yourself from finishing swear words or you apologize to others and you keep a record of like good days and bad days. Uh, but if you have an identity-based approach, you have a couple things that could happen. Um, the Spirit agrees with your assessment and encourages you to see yourself as a child of God who uses their words to build up and not tear down. With this in mind, you begin to practice encouragement, words of affirmation, and listening to the Spirit who can give His words of encouragement. Or the Spirit tells you that more than swearing, you need to change your heart around how you have used speech as a defense mechanism to protect your insecure heart. So something as simple as like using cuss words uh, and swearing, the way you view that and the way you approach that is essential. And so we need to be people who have an identity-based mm-hmm. approach. So we're living from a place of we're doing this because of who we are. Yeah. We're not just trying to, to get an outcome, but we're flowing from a place of we are a child of God. Yeah. And, you know, every every temptation to sin at its root comes from the deception where basically basically somehow we have believed a lie yeah about most likely who we are why why is it that i feel the need to do this particular thing or act on this particular sin most of the time people that are struggling with extreme temptation or sin they'll they'll even message me and be like man i just you know i just can't do this this is just it's too much for me i'm too weak yada 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 and they basically just list out in writing to me 20 lies that the enemy has told them they are Mm -hmm. and i said everything you just told me about who you are and what you're capable of there ain't a verse of it in scripture like like this is not your identity in christ this is not who god says you are this is the old nature this is the old man and these are the self-defeating lies that satan has planted into your mind yeah and you've got a false identity and so an identity-based approach doesn't focus on what you need to stop doing but on who you are becoming and your identity in Christ, what the Word of God says that you are. And so sometimes behind our sinful behaviors or patterns or actions is actually a much deeper root that needs to be gotten down to. And so the Holy Spirit doesn't just come to you and say, you need to quit that, Jeremy. Yeah, He comes and says, you know, the reason you're angry actually is because you have a wound in your heart, something in your childhood that you've not yet done, dealt yeah. with. You've got unforgiveness in your heart, and you need to let this person go, and you need to, uh, it could be a million different things, or you yeah. have certain expectations on yourself because, you know, your father put this on you, and you, and you don't, you've not processed that properly, and you're, you're putting the expectations of others that you've lived under on yourself, and now you need to take that burden off and, and see yourself the way that I see you. Yeah, and ca- yeah. So there's a million different things that the Holy Spirit might say, but it's all rooted in your identity and the lies you've believed about who you are or who you need to be or the things you need to carry. And the Holy Spirit's saying, no, I've not asked you to carry any of those things. This is not who you are. This is who you are. And that's why the prophetic word is so powerful. Because basically what it does, you know, a spirit-inspired word from one brother to another Right, where the Holy Spirit brings me a word of encouragement for you, mm-hmm. it'll hit at the root of who God's designed you to be. And sometimes it flies in the face of what we see in other people naturally. Because if you look at a person and you see all the negative behaviors that they are, you, it's hard for you to see them how God sees them. Because yeah. you see externally. But if you can see with the eyes of the Spirit, you can see down to their true core identity of who God's made them to be, and you can call that out of them. 
Mm. And that's where that's where the spirit in life goes at work. I mean, if you're just f- focusing in flesh, you're preaching, you need to quit this, quit that, you bunch of sinners, you're going to die and go to hell. <laughs> like, and there's, there's, a, there's a place for that to in order to bring people to a place of repentance. But when people become Christians, they need to know who they are in Christ. Yeah. And quit trying to stop stuff. And start figuring out who they are in Christ, and then they won't want to do the stuff. It'll break off of them. Yeah, changing your your identity and like, and, and that's such a hard thing to do. Sometimes I feel like because we you, believe it's true. Yeah, like, we believe the lies. When you have a whole life of different circumstances and lies that you've been fed, it's it's not an easy thing to to break off. But following the way of Jesus, like it says here on page 94, and practicing his practices must begin with listening to the Spirit and believing what he says about our identity. Practices must flow out of a transformed heart, soul, mind, and strength if they are to become lasting changes. And, and you know, moving on into this chapter, this is where really an honest assessment of yourself is so important. Um, you know, where, where are you spiritually, um, in terms of your faith, your character, your heart, uh, what areas of your life does the Holy Spirit want you to focus on? Uh, what are the next steps you can take? What are some of those lies that you've believed about yourself in terms of your identity? Um, do you know what the Lord says about you and who you are? Um, and so it's, Moving forward, before you even begin to to practice things, you have to allow yourself to be changed, and and, and you have to take on the identity that that Jesus has for you before you can you can um, flow and function properly in these practices. Yeah, I think if you're open to the Holy Spirit, He'll show you some of these things. You know, it's something that I said about. It's funny because um, when you talk about like. I don't know, dude. I'm a big believer in New Testament prophecy because when it functions properly, dude, it it encourages the fire out of people. And it's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, desire earnestly the spiritual gifts and especially that you may prophesy. And on on a core level, it says that he who prophesies speaks edification, encouragement, and comfort to people. Like it just, it builds you up. Yeah. And, and when we were in that prayer meeting Friday night, people were going around and praying for people and just sharing words with people, man. And I felt like the Lord just dropped some things on my heart's heart for people. And honestly, the things that I, that God gave me a vision of to speak over the the few people that I prayed for, man, it was just like, you know, we don't, we don't, we don't ever get in the presence of God and be moved by the Holy spirit and go up to a brother and sit there and say, buddy, I know you've had it rough. I mean, it's bad, man. And, you know, it probably ain't going to get no better, just to be honest with you. That's just the way the world is. It's tough out there. Like, yeah. the Holy Spirit never moves anybody to say those things. No. Because that is not the wavelength of the Spirit. Yeah. When when a word from God comes, man, it's almost like it's almost like it's too good to be true. Because it is so strengthening, and it is so encouraging, and it brings life and vitality. It's something that breaks through the heavens into this 
darkness-filled earth yeah. and just shatters all your mindsets and every lie you've believed about yourself and lifts you up so that you stand up and you say, oh, man, this is who I am. And, and you're ready for war and you're ready for battle. And so it's so important to, to be aware of what is the spirit. You know, where are you at? What are you believing? What lies have you not surrendered about yourself? What are you currently believing? What are you currently saying over yourself? Yeah. And, and, and what is the Holy Spirit needing you to deal with so that you can cast down those negative mindsets and those negative thoughts and take those captive and, and those arguments and those strongholds? Somebody said, you know, the lies we believe about ourselves are called a stronghold because they have a very strong hold on us. Yeah. And that's a fact. Like yeah. the lies you believe about yourself currently, they're called strongholds because they've got a strong hold on you. You believe them. Mm-hmm. And you sit and think about them all day long. And those voices come to us and we agree with them and they're not the voice of God. Yeah. So that being said, it moves us into a place where he starts to talk about uh, you know, he breaks down some of these practices in heart, soul, mind, and strength, essentially. And he says, do you need to disengage from the business of life to better hear the voice of God and respond to his love? Or do you sense the Spirit prompting you to take action in the world by engaging with others? Yeah. Um, so, in general, he's going to start to work through some of these things here. Um, yeah, and we talked about the, the disengagement and engagement on... The last episode, we talked about it a little bit more. And at the end of this chapter, too, it goes into even more detail about some of those things so you guys can read about yeah, uh, and, and look into those for sure. But in all of it, um, we're relying upon the Holy Spirit, and he gives us a new... Um, a new kind of thing. Basically, he's saying, you, you know, we, we come into this way of life and hopefully we do it within the context of community and we share with one another what's going on and, and we celebrate together. But he gives another another little graph there, so to speak. Um, and it's it's kind of in contrast to the one before. If you remember back on page 77, uh, he had the graph where it basically said, um, it said, uh, it's not a graph, it's just an image. But yeah. um, but it says try harder to quit this, enter into fit, fatigue, you get tired, you quit, and then you feel guilt because you quit, so you try harder again, and you just go into that it's just cycle. just a cycle, yeah. But if you, if you remove that cycle of trying harder, failing, quitting, feeling guilt, trying again, no, you start to enter into the practices out of a simple relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And you start to experience growth there's failure in it yeah Mm -hmm. but you're experiencing growth because you're consistently practicing the way of jesus right and then all of a sudden you start experiencing some victories you fail but you're getting back up and your confidence is building yeah and then because of that you're growing and you're experiencing confidence god's breaking into your life in different ways and you start to experience the joy that comes from the spiritual life in christ yeah and so that's where we're trying to move into in the way of these practices and so on 101 then he starts talking about developing these these rhythms of life and actually practicing the practices yes yes so that's where that's where the rubber meets the road and uh, maybe we want to talk through a few of these jeremy yeah for sure and i just i I just want to testify to that that kind of graph you were talking about that's something i've experienced in in my life even since the beginning of the year um I, I took it upon myself, me and my wife. We have some goals and some disciplines that we're trying to 
to do together um, in terms of reading, in terms of prayer. And, you know, just like waking up and we have a reading plan that we're going through. And, and so we begin to implement that practice. And, you know, there's been days where we failed. We've not, you know, we, we missed a day. We've, you know, made it up here or there. We didn't wake up together or whatever have you. Uh, but we jump back onto it. We've been uh, we've been disciplined with it. We've we've been consistent with it, and we've I think we've started to experience some growth from it. Or mm-hmm. our, our hearts begin to change a little bit, uh, and that does give confidence and joy. It's just like you find this. All of a sudden, it 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 moves from a place of just like oh this thing I have to do, or this practice I have to do, but you you experience this realization that this is the life this is the rhythm like we're getting ready to talk about that i've been longing for yeah and you 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 experience a a closeness to the lord you experience his peace yes you have bad days you have bad evenings or moments or or whatever that's everybody but overall you begin to you know this is just who I am. This is who we are as a family. This is what we do as a family together. That you know, we're going to pray. We're going to. This is things we do, and it changes the whole culture. It changes the whole atmosphere, uh, and it's 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 really a beautiful thing. Uh, so it does work. And there's still things, a lot of things in my life that I need to work on in a lot of different areas. But but I think if you if you begin to uh, flow. From a place in your identity, uh, you are a child of God. You start to slowly inf- implement some of these things. You you'll experience that joy as well. And uh, you know, before we move into that clay, I just want to share something. As I was reading, this came to my mind, and I found this note that I had. But it, you know, he talks about sharing and celebrating, and mm-hmm. even reflecting back on um, seasons of your life and lessons that God has. has you know, showed you and the things God's brought you through. Um, and I, I found this note, and back in 2021, I said, I wrote this down on a, a in my journal. I said, what do I want to do, question mark? I would love to be able to work at the church and also do uh, video photo stuff full-time while making a living. Why not dream big? Mm-hmm. And I put a prayer on there, Lord, guide me, open doors and close others, make straight and clear my path. And then now it's 2023, and then, you know, here I am, and the Lord's moved me into a great deal of that. And that I say all that to say that it's it's good to celebrate. It's good to reflect back. It's good to realize that, um, like we've said before, a lot of this stuff is a— it's a process, and it's such a beautiful thing to 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 look back and to see what the Lord has done and what He's continuing to do. Uh, and and so I would encourage everybody to do that in their life. Look back and reflect on the things that the Lord has done done for you, and the, the places He's brought you from, and the the places that He's moving you you into, uh, and, and just the life that He's calling us to live. Um, yeah, but I don't know, Clay, just as I was reading that section on sharing and celebrating, I began to reflect some on my own and just wanted to share that. And I'm just so thankful, man, for what the Lord's doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you see it in so many other people's lives too. We get to hear from folks and see, you know, 
God's setting people free and transforming yeah. people and bringing them into real places of freedom and transformation in their life. And you and I have gotten to see some of that together here. And, and man, it is, it's just, it's amazing. And, and we keep going back to it, but that's what it's all about, man. This is a, this is a way of life and the Lord wants to do incredible things if we will just uh, partner with him in doing so. So, yeah. yeah. And that celebration in itself, like you said, is a, is a spiritual practice to sit back and look at what, what the Lord has done, take that into account and rejoice and praise him for it and just say, sit back and say, man, look at what God's done. Yeah. Um, I think in that book, you know, um, the celebration of discipline. Yeah. The la- the last one, the 12th or 13th one practice is is celebration. And it's just it, that's what that's what all of these things are leading to. All of these practices are leading to this moment where God breaks in and and moves in our lives and brings the salvation and the redemption and the healing and the glory that only he can bring. Yeah. And then we're able to celebrate it. Yeah. And be thankful for what he's done and it's just a gift. Um but so he he breaks down on page 102 and 103 um disengagement practices and then engagement practices but if you look at some of these disengagement practices you know when we talk about fasting a lot we talk about fasting being that which unplugs you from the world mm-hmm. and then something like prayer plugging you back into god yeah um and so when we talk about disengagement uh, solitude. These practices are really, really important. Um, but just, let's just look at a few of them right quick. But but solitude, spending spending extended time on your own with God and away from other people. Jesus demonstrated that, always going away into a solitary place alone to pray. And silence before the Lord. I tell you, some of the most powerful moments I've had with the Lord is just sit. I'll be praying, but I just sort of enter into a place of silence, and God just begins to pour His Spirit out on me and speak to me and show me some things and deal with my heart. But it's it's those moments where you draw away long enough to be still and silent before the Lord. Uh, and then, of course, fasting is another spiritual discipline where we disengage, and that's one of the most difficult ones. But in doing so, man, I was telling, I was talking to somebody this morning about the practice of fasting. They were talking about just how difficult it was, and it's supposed to be. Because if you can exercise your will against every impulse of your formed neural pathways and, and your physical cravings and impulses, then do you know how much easy, easier it becomes for you to say a yes to the, to the subtle prompting of the Spirit? If you can exercise your will to say no to the most intense physical cravings and the old habits of your old neural pathways where you've wired yourself to do a certain thing, all the spirit has to do is just barely nudge you yeah. and you say and you align your will to it. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons fasting is so powerful. Um frugality. This is uh one that if you went into but but this is just like um the consumer mentality of our mm-hmm. culture, just yeah. deciding, like, I don't need the best clothes. I don't need the best shoes. I don't need the best tie. I don't need all the best things and have to constantly be buying stuff. I need to learn to live a life of simplicity, if it, if at all possible, to some degree. I mean, my wife kind of makes fun of me because I sort of wear the same thing every day. And a lot, a lot of times, I'll just be honest with you, I'll wear the same clothes <laughs> for one full year. For no, I don't know if you guys don't notice that as much. No. But it's easier. Yeah. It's it's simple. 
I think I've been I got like two pairs of pants. I've been wearing these for like eight days. I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there's something to that, man. Like, uh, but but living on on less. But I tell you, it's a hard thing, man. It like is. in the like, we don't even realize it sometimes. Like, like we live in a two bedroom apartment right now, you mm-hmm. know, and we're in our thirties and have two kids. And and if you look at the standards of the world, we've we've not yet arrived. Right, and you can and so subconsciously you kind of feel this pressure to like, I need to have like a little piece of land, and I need to have this size house, and I need to have these kinds of you know it it's just it's so ingrained that it's this is stuff you have to battle against and be intentional in doing so. And at the same time, I think because every time you talk about things like that, people start to feel some kind of way. Because I would say for those people who do have the piece of land in the nice house, thank God for it. Yeah. And enjoy that and celebrate that. That's that's a fine thing. Uh, But but you don't want to get caught up in the rat race of always needing more. You know what I'm saying? And and so you want to learn to to try to try to hone in on a on simplicity and, and chastity and faithfulness. Um, this has got to do with, uh, um, chastity, honestly, is sexual purity. Um, this particular one, it says reserving your heart, soul, mind, and body for the love of God. And if you're married for your spouse alone, um, we talked about that. I preached a full message on sex is by design there not long ago. Really was a blessing for everyone, I'm sure. It's good. It's good stuff. Um, Go back and listen to it if you haven't. Yeah. Secrecy. How about doing things in secret? Yeah. Not to be uh, praised by men, but for only God to see. Yeah. Um, listening. We talked about that with a lot with silence. Silence and listening often go hand in hand. And then study, like getting into God's Word in a deep way where we memorize it, where we where we uh, meditate on it, look into it deeper. And then Sabbath, which is another one that honestly people have set off and, and don't pay a whole lot of attention to, but one day a week literally taking a stop from yeah. from work and ceasing. Mm-hmm. And you and I try to do that to some degree. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we don't do the best at it, but we do, we do try to take one day where we, it, it's about enjoying God. And it's about trying to stop from just the grind uh, yeah. of of every day getting after it. Um, it's the, really hard to do too, you know, with the the busyness of the life is, that man. we live. You know, we before you know it, like even when you're trying to like live relatively simple and not be busy, like before you know it, like every single evening's eat up with something. Yeah, and a lot of people who have kids, it's like they're working yeah. five days a week, and then Saturday they they got come home, and that's the day they got to clean the house. And then yeah. Sunday they've got to, you know, they got to go to church, and then yeah. they got something planned after church Sunday. But I, I think the thing is, is you just want to try your very best to find twenty four hours. Like even if you have to try to work in getting the cleaning done, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, split it up Thursday and Friday so that Saturday you can create some space yeah. for that. That's what people. That's what the Hebrew people would do. Like they would work their hind ends off on Friday to get everything done by 6, and at 6, they'd light the candle. Yeah. And they were entering into 24 hours of of, of just rest and, and really enjoyment of God. That's what yeah. it's about. It's not like you have to, oh, I've got to read 80 pages in the Bible. You know, it's, it's not a burden. It's for you. So it's about what you like to enjoy and where you experience, you know, and, yeah. and, and inviting the presence of God into that. So then you got practices of engagement, worship, celebration, mm-hmm. service, prayer, 
I mean, you know, we could we could break all of those things down if we wanted to, but uh, but I think you know you you get the gist. It's important that you take some time. Uh, read through those again. Celebration of Discipline breaks those down like chapter by chapter uh, to a large degree. But um, Yeah, and I, again, I'd encourage people to, to read this for themselves on page 104, like 105, and then through there too. But he, he gives some examples. It's, it's pretty cool of like uh, maybe picking different days to slowly start implementing these different things. You know, he's got a little um, image up here like where – you know, Monday you may may fast. Tuesday you may dive into deeper prayer. Uh, Wednesday you may study. Um, you know, Friday you're serving. You know, Sunday may solitude. You know, so there's yeah. A, and then you know each week you could change that up, or maybe you do that for a season. Um, so there's tons of examples in here. Really, really good stuff of, of different examples of rhythms that you can get into, and then also being smart. You know, with it too. Like if you if you are uh, working on Fridays, obviously you can't set Fridays as your Sabbath, you know. So that you, if you have to kind of be mindful of your schedule, uh, your family, and, and what's going on for you, and then adjusting accordingly. But it's it's really interesting and really, really good stuff to start implementing in a real practical level. Yeah, and that's... Uh that would be good to do, I think. You know, we we try have tried honestly to encourage people on Wednesday specifically. Yeah. We we get up and try to pray at five a.m. and we leave the, leave it open at the church here for people to come in. And I get not everybody can always do that. And to be honest with you, I'm not much of a morning person. I tend to pray. It seems to be more effectively in the evenings. Uh, but for me, that's a that's a good practice for me to at least one day a week make sure yeah. that I get up. 4:45 and just yeah and just get after it in prayer um and and then and then try to fast you know that day or and and try to implement something like that during the week and then there are certain days that I take out to to get more more in depth into into study mm-hmm. uh so there's there's all those different ones but one of the things that he says is that Jesus wants us to practice these practices in community uh, so it's not just simply kind of just just me and Jesus, but but literally everything that God's calling us to, He's calling us to do it with one another in community to stir one another to good works. Yeah, and we see the Spirit moving in our midst when we seek the Lord together. That's when I think obviously there is the individual side of it, like you got to do some alone stuff with God. Yeah, but when we understand that we're called into this corporately and we encourage one another in it, man, it, it really starts to breed some momentum. Yeah, and you see the early church praying together all the time, fasting together, breaking bread with one another, giving themselves to the apostles' doctrine and and yeah. and fellowship, and then going out and seeing God move in miraculous ways. And um, yeah, we're, we're go ahead. Sorry, no, no, no you go. Ahead. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, I think we're made for relationships, man. We're yeah. made for community and to have a tribe of uh, people around us. Even going back to like exercise and working out and stuff. If you got a buddy that's getting up with you and going to the gym, it makes it a whole mm-hmm. lot easier. And you know, like even the Wednesday morning things. If it was just me by myself, chances are I'd probably snooze and not yeah. get up. Uh, Often, but when you got people that you know are there with you and alongside you, um, it it really does help, and it, uh, it it makes it special. Yeah, and so there's one quote on page 106. It's a long one, but basically he says, in in short, uh, 
Doug Jones says that the Sermon on the Mount is not a code for individual behavior. It's given to the church, and the church has to take the lead in living it in community. People who try it on their own quickly burn out. It's made to crush the individual but give life to the church. And so God calls us into this thing, but he calls us into it as a community. And that's why when we fail, man, we confess our sins one to another and pray for one another that we could be healed and we celebrate our victories and we and we share. Because, I mean, if, if you don't have your brothers and sisters teaching or having a word from God or here's what the Lord's been speaking to me, all of these things are what stir us toward one another. And then there's accountability. Yeah. Hey, we're praying and fasting together over this particular situation or when we're going through a difficulty, we know of a brother or sister that's going through it, man. We share that information with it, with each other, and we're, we encourage one another and come yeah. alongside one another. And so it's so essential that we always realize that, that that's what the church is about, an interconnectedness. Um, so 106, it says the questions we need to ask ourselves are, how does our church communi- communally live out this practice? How does our small group communally live out this practice? And how does our family actively and communally live out this practice together? And so we're looking, we're looking at all that. He gives some suggestions on where to begin. Are there are there other practices here? Because he he starts to kind of list them a little bit more in depth. A few of them here. Uh, are there any that you would want to discuss at all, Jeremy? Or yeah, I'm, I mean, I think I don't know if there's a particular practice. Um, that that I would want to discuss. I do like the just the example, like they talk. I can't remember exactly where it's at, but he essentially talks about like finances or something in one part of it. Uh, and him and his family are uh, essentially they they get together, and I think like him and his like family and three other families or something like that. They get together, yeah. and they decide that you know for three months that they're going to. Uh, really be generous with their money and they invite their kids into it and like their kids are yeah. given their piggy banks and so it's just a, it's a really whatever you do like going back to the community thing like making this a, a lifestyle bringing your kids into it you know calling a buddy and saying hey you, you want you want to fast a, a couple of days this week and then we'll share a meal together yeah. and like talk with one another about what the lord's speaking to us or you know um hey there's a bible plan i found would you like to go through it with me or you know something along those lines whatever the case yeah. is and he he breaks that down like the building of a rhythm of life he says do you know do short-term experience experiments yeah which lead into midterm communities yeah which leads into developing a rule of life yeah, yeah so you yeah. can start out with like short-term experiences and uh you know one of the things he said is for example you start out you're praying every morning that week and you and you essentially would say something like i'll respond to the prompting of the holy spirit every time no matter how weird it is this yeah. week. Like, what if you did that? Yeah. What if you just sensed a little nudge in the spirit? Hey, go pray over that prayer. And you just responded every just time it. just to see what happened. Just to see what happens. Just do it. And, um, and, but do those short-term experience experiments. Or maybe, you know, this week, he says you want to, you for one week, you want to focus on studying God's Word. And for one week during your non-work hours, the only thing that you're going, you're not watching TV this week. You're, you're, you're not going to spend time scrolling Facebook just for this week. You're going to you're going to experiment with just staying in God's word for that yeah. week. And, man, I think I think taking these spiritual practices and these experiments 
past the whole January consecrate thing. We have got to push deeper into this through our, yes. through the year, man. Have to because because we 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 focus in on that as a church, man, and you, and we spur people toward that for such a short period of time. But if we're going to develop a culture and a rule of life for who we are as Christians and followers of Jesus, these things have to be constantly cultivated. And we have to we have to consistently go after these practices, and uh, he said maybe even one week you focus in on secrecy, and so it's like this week I'm gonna figure maybe even like you could imagine this you just like set aside five hundred dollars, and okay I'm gonna find certain people to just secretly give yeah. money to or, or a gift to, and they don't even know nothing about it. I'm not even gonna let them see my face. I'm gonna find a way to slip it to them without them knowing. Yeah, you know, and just see how the Lord uh uses that but but do those little experiments um and and do some assessments and see see how that goes short-term experiments are going to allow us to practice these practices and and also stop and evaluate how the spirit's actually using them and how he's moving them Mm -hmm. and then you can even develop um you know these midterm communities now this is where you talked about that story that guy came in that guy was basically saying, uh, he said he's one of the most uh, prophetically gifted people he's ever known. And the guy said, look, I realized that it basically took me no faith to prophesy or give words of knowledge. It just comes like instinct. Hmm. But it took so much faith for me to trust God when it comes to money. So he brings his family together and and they say, look, we're going to give away all of our money and just, and just trust God <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to supply for us. And the guy said, look, man, it was unreal. He said, the Sermon on the Mount works every time. He said, people would slip money under the door. We'd find money. Sometimes people would knock and say, look, this is so bizarre. This is really weird. Uh, You know, I felt compelled to cook dinner for you tonight. How can I feed you? And they said those three months were the most faith-stirring months ever, and he misses it. And so it's it's taking a leap of faith into these things to just see what God will do and once you put these practices, these short-term experience, experiments, and, and, and you start to maybe even develop communities, like in your small groups, you say, hey, let's try this for, yeah. for this week. And, yeah. and for this week, let's try this. And let's, let's move into this together and just see what God does. Um, over time, the more you put these practices in play day to day, you develop a rule of life. It starts to become uh, just a part of who you are and the way that you do things. And, and you find this rhythm to the way of Jesus. And in the process, man, you're being transformed into the very image of Jesus. And that's what we're looking for. Yeah, that and that's what I love, too. And like you said, it's not just a, some practices or some things that we do on occasion at the beginning of the year. But year in and year out, day after day. It's who we are. Yeah. It's who we are as a church. It's who we are as a family, in our small groups, individually. It just f- flows from our identity. Um, and and j- just to kind of close a couple thoughts, too, you know, sometimes, you know, we've talked about a lot. And if, as you read this chapter, it, it can seem like a lot. But, you know, start small and build up. And that's why, you know, going back to the training thing. Um, it, it's a process, and it takes uh, practice. Practice, and you're gonna you're gonna have those small victories, and, and you're gonna continue to grow and build upon that. And then also realize the beautiful thing is that Jesus is just as committed 
uh, to our spiritual training as we are, more so. Like he's there with us. He's committed to us. He's going to empower us. It's it's through his power alone that we're even able to do any of this. Yeah. And we have to realize that, you know, we have he's, – he's right there by our side yeah. as we begin walking into this. Um and and he closes the chapter out by saying, "Welcome to Jesus's master class." Yeah, and so we're following his way, Clay. Yeah, that's a great point, though. I mean, you know, all of the practices that Jesus did was because he was developing intimacy with his Father, and those practices were channels by which the Father would anoint him and empower him with the Spirit for the work that he was called to do. And so the practices are really a way that we come to rely on God and say, God, without you, I've got nothing. Yeah. But within each practice, he fills us with his own power and sends us out into the world to do his work. Yeah. Beautiful stuff. All righty, guys. Thank you so much for listening to us, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. We look forward to talking to you on the next one.